Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie, part of the Nova Insider Network. It is Monday, March 20th at just about 10 p.m., and we're coming to you live after the Villanova women make it to their first Sweet 16 in 20 years and second in program history on the back of 31 more points from Maddie Segrist. 66 points total over two games at the Finn and Villanova advances to the Sweet 16 where we are awaiting the winner of a very tight Miami-Indiana game. Actually, later in the podcast, we'll know the answer to the question of who won that game to determine if who will play for the right to go to the Elite Eight in Greenville, South Carolina this upcoming weekend. So it's a, it's we're fucking excited. We're Ooh. pumped. I got the blue label out because the cats are marching on to the second weekend of a dance and we're feeling good about that. <clears throat> so we're going to start right there and uh, let's, let's, let's break it down a little bit, guys. We already talked about Maddie Segrist and I want to talk about the accolades and kind of the historics of her season and her overall career in just a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about the game. Willie, I want to give you a little bit of a spotlight here because Lucy Olsen is is your girl, and Lucy Olsen was her tonight. Loose dog with a near triple-double. Lucy Olsen is, just to peek ahead towards next year, it's going to be her team. I'm super excited. But as of right now, there was a stretch in the game where Maddie, I wouldn't say it was cold. Maddie started off hot, then kind of cooled off like cooled off in the like slightest terms in the Maddie Seagrass yeah in the Maddie in the Maddie Seagrass way sort of cooled off and Lucy stepped up and created the lead for us um I absolutely love everything I've seen uh was what near triple double I'm trying to figure out what what it was yeah it was 23 10 and 7 like I mean two turnovers doing everything is an absolute point general Lucy Olsen I I can't I could go on and on and on about everything that Lucy's done but is is a huge part of why I think this team can actually go to the final four to the next level is not just because it's not just Maddie. Yeah. We we have plenty of role players around, but also we have a bona fide number two and Lucy Olson. Dude, she she the, the plays she makes today, like like Maddie, and I'm not taking anything away from Maddie. Maddie is just an unbelievable scorer. She's got a nose for the ball, from a rebounding perspective. She gets around whatever. Like the the. The point on Lucy Olson, though, is she just makes some sick plays. She just step back three tonight. Yep. She had like a transition three ball where she just ran up the court on a couple occasions, ran up the court, stopped right dead short of the three point line, and just absolutely drilled a haymaker. Like she had that, she had that dirty play near the rim where where I was like a little bit of a hezzy and a shake. And then the turn and the fadeaway jumper, like she's she's got a she's got a full bag of tricks. She's she's dope. It is pretty, and she's only a sophomore too, so she's got two more years of eligibility left, which is uh, which is pretty sick. But definitely goes to show. I mean, this is uh, 
the benches, and I was just checking out the recruiting profile too of, of some of the of her class as well. It's like, I mean, Denise Dillon is she's not just resting on the on the laurels of Maddie. She's uh she's bringing in the next class behind her too. So hopefully this is just the start of something great. And you mentioned it's obviously the the first Sweet Sixteen in in a very long time. But hopefully, I don't know. We're you, know, you get this run of prominence. And you've seen it with some of the other women's programs around the country. It's like. You make that investment, you make a big splash in the tournament, and you take that and just run with it. So I don't know. It's a lot of eyeballs on the program for sure, and hopefully some more recruits follow as well. And I want to give a shout out to Bella Runyon, who is just the absolute like glue, glue, glue woman, whatever you want to call it, like just does it all. And like it's tough as nails, has to get that from the family bloodlines, like yeah. completely has to come from the bloodlines. I love Bella Runyon. Just like I want to, I want to go into battle with her. Yeah. The so let's talk a little bit about the the run here that they're on. So they beat um, they beat Cleveland State. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I was like Chicago State, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland State um, on uh, on Saturday. They beat Florida Gulf Coast who absolutely whooped Washington State's ass the other day. Uh, They crushed them um, at the pavilion the other night. And so we we got Florida Gulf Coast, the 12 seed. They were game. I mean, they like to shoot the three ball. They play quick. They they get up and down when they know that they've got you stepping out on them on the three-point line. They like to to hit the blow by. So they were – they had some game today. They weren't great shooting the ball today, but they – they made us pay a little bit, especially in the second quarter. Yeah, uh, where they shrunk what looked to be like an early blow blowout. They shrunk that down to six at halftime, and you're starting to think to yourself, "Man, our guys better come out focused." But to the Denise Dillon point, I don't know what she said at halftime, but we come out, we came out with our absolute hair on fire and put that game to bed in the following like 10, 12 minutes of that game. It was it was a clinic in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter, just an absolute clinic up and down the court. Um, the sets that we run on offense are a thing of beauty. We move the ball so well. I know a lot of that starts with Lucy Olson. A lot of it's made easier by the fact that Maddie Segrist is just absolutely dirty elbow in. She's just so good with, she's just so good shooting the ball from that, from that distance. Um, and, and we also had to fight through uh foul trouble of Christina Dalsay uh, today, who I think got called for a bullshit foul in the first quarter and she sat most of that first half yeah and she only played 12 minutes yeah she only played 12 minutes but she just just lives on the boards um she's great there i i just think that this team is i mean look it's maddie and maddie is special but like but like this team's supporting cast here is like growing day by day and yeah i mean miami or indiana we have a chance to go on a run here um, we really do have a chance. I mean, Sweet 16 is already a run, and it's already a historic run for the program. But we can beat Indiana or Miami in that yeah. in that six Sweet 16 game. We really can. And then you're just one game away from the Final Four. That's really all it is. Oof. Like they're gonna lock in. I I mean, I I really like Denise Dillon with like a week of preparation for whomever it is. Like I don't know. I don't. I feel I feel good. <laughs> I, I think we can make this run. Something I want to call out that Maddie does, which I just think is so interesting. I mean, obviously she's one of the greatest scorers in women's college basketball history, not even women's, just in college basketball history. I find it so interesting. Maddie just shoots over people in the post. It's like very interesting. It's not like a, 
when when she has like a bigger person on she'll like you know you utilize footwork and things like all that but when there's a smaller person it's not like a post move it's just i'm going to turn around and i'm just going to literally shoot over you with this push shot that is automatic it doesn't matter who's on her it doesn't matter if you're not taller than her that push shot's going up and it's going in and then if for whatever reason it doesn't go in she knows it and she just has a nose for the ball and that's what happened in the first uh in the um second or in the third quarter we came out and it was i think maddie scored 17 fgcu scored 16 it was it was maddie coming out and asserting the dominance that like in the first half she did for like five minutes ish um and then really came out and just put it to bed she also, like, to your point there, a lot of the plays Villanova runs is Maddie posting up someone who's a little bit smaller than her and them throwing the ball high. Like, yep. A lot of what we throw is this, get the ball up to Maddie, and Maddie's so good at keeping the ball high. She does not bring the ball down to get yep. set. She can get the ball high, and I'm, like, reaching up as I do this. Um, she get the ball high, get, get her hands set and her feet set, which is difficult. <laughs> difficult period um and and she's just absolute money absolute money to the point on denise dillon she just got her 400th career win so she obviously had a a a pretty extended tenure at uh drexel drexel Drexel, yeah and um so this she's a proven coach it was a great hire by villanova um she's 49 um and so we theoretically have at least using the j wright age of 60 as as a as a mark, we won't use we won't use Harry Perettas as a coach for a bajillion years. Um, but we got at least another decade of of uh, of Denise Dillon. And yeah, Rob, to your point, she is she's a fighter. Um, she's an absolute fighter of a coach. She's competitive as all hell from everything that I've heard from the program. She is super competitive, and she's got these she's got this women's team absolutely wired and playing really at a high level at the perfect time. What do you think our winning percentages under Denise? I'm looking at it right now. I mean, it's got to be like 70 to 80 percent. It's got to be up there. I mean, 76. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then it's yeah. just it's 77 in conference. I didn't realize it was. A, and it makes sense, but that's insane. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's absolutely insane. So the other thing, there's one, Chris, to your point, going back to Maddie for a quick second about how she knows if if her shot's off, she still goes after the ball. When they played Cleveland State, there was a play where Maddie went up to hit, tried to hit her like fadeaway kind of jumper and then missed the girl like she, but she was crashing so hard for the rebound, her own rebound. The girl who got the ball didn't like realized she was coming and Maddie was literally able to re-steal the ball from this girl, put up another shot and, and, and score. And so like, that is just like, you don't see players like do everything that hard, right? Like most of the time you see players put up their shot, their back is turned. They're not like, Oh, let me get my own rebound. And then let me put, put it back in the hoop. Right. It's like, usually somebody else comes in a teammate or something. So like, that's the one thing. And then also on Lucy Olson, she had a ridiculous pass too. Um, in the first quarter, she had this ridiculous pass. I forget to, I forget who she was, who she was passing to, but they scored a bucket, but like she drove into the lane, um, kind of like hesitated, came back out and then bounce passed. It was like the cleanest bounce pass I've ever seen. I normally don't recommend bounce passing, but it was so nice. And I saw it and I just was like, oh my God, that was like magic, magic. 
So I'm hype. You guys know my support for women's basketball, but I'm super hype. I, I agree. I think, you know, final four would be fantastic. So Love let's it. do it. And I hope that if we do go on this run, student body shows out as well. Well, they were showed, they showed out today. Exactly. Yeah. I hope it Saturday. continues. That was the, the home crowds that we had the, on Saturday and Monday were electric, utterly electric. Um, and today after the game, they, the whole team ran over and was like, they kind of like stormed the student section, which was cool. And they were jumping up and down and, and partying and it was going crazy. It, it was a scene today at the Finn. Jay Wright was in attendance. I think I saw Eric Dixon in attendance. Um, and uh, it was, uh, it was definitely a scene there at the pavilion. Um, so let's talk a little bit real quick. I, Cause we got to put Maddie's season in like a historical context, not only her season or career. So I'm going to start with like the easiest thing to, <laughs> to, to hit. And I will say to, to our listeners here, I feel like for somebody who hasn't paid as, as close of attention to it, I was initially thinking like, okay, you know, we've talked a lot about Maddie. Like, obviously she's having a great season. I was totally, totally blown away when I actually saw some of the numbers and comprehended them both today and yesterday. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, this is actually, we, we've reached a new threshold here where it's gone from just a great Villanova season and Maddie is a great Villanova player to no, she's in the conversation for one of the greatest seasons of all time, which is, which is wild to think about. But anyway, I'll, I'll take it back to you, Chris, to kind of walk through that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point. Like, I, I just want to be like, we need to put it in context here because, because we talk about her all year, et cetera. And, and I think we just need to like level set. Her career, Maddie is the greatest scorer in Villanova history, men's or women's, and it's and it's at this point not even close to run away. And when you consider the fact that she's only a four-year player, she has a fifth year of eligibility that she's unlikely to use. Um, and she kind of she kind of made a point today. If this is my last game at the Fin, it was a great way to go out in the post-game presser. I, I'm reading between the. I've seen her talk about her draft stock before, like. Could there theoretically be an NIL package that comes together that's better than a that's better than a you know a round you know round one WNBA contract? Yeah, like that could definitely come together. But and if she does and if it does happen, then she will in all likelihood be the greatest college women's scorer ever. <laughs> but 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 she's already in the top 25 in terms of in terms of women's college basketball. Um career scores ever already in the top 25. So, so we're already talking about one of the best college basketball players of all time. <laughs> like, I just think you need right. to say that. Then when you actually talk about this season in particular, it gets even crazier. Maddie Segrist is number four on the career, like single season, sorry. She's number four on the single season scoring list. That's period. insane. Period. 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 <laughs> Across all of the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah. She is. Um, of she all is, time. Yeah. She's currently got 1,050 1, points. That's something that only five players, including her, have done all time. She is four points away from being number three. She is 12 points away from being number two. <laughs> so, so we're literally talking about one of the greatest seasons ever ever um and 
And to boot, she already has a best season, uh, best season ever record because she's played in 36 games. And in all 36 games this season, she scored 20 plus points, which is a record. It's an NCAA record, men's or women's most 20 plus point games in a row in a single season. Like she's literally like one of the best players ever having one of the best seasons ever. And like, I just feel like that point maybe has gotten lost in like, oh, like, oh, she's the best Villanova women's player ever. Well, okay, Villanova women haven't had like, you know, the success that the men's program has had all time. Like, so like, you know, okay, that's nice. But like, you know, what's the bar here? Yeah. The bar here is ever. The bar here is ever across all of Division One. Yeah, I did not appreciate that until the past couple of days. And then yeah. and then I, I did literally the the same flip in my head of like, I just thought it's like, oh, it's nice it's a great villanova player but now it's like oh oh shit like actually pays more yeah. attention she's passed uh kelsey plum for that record the 36 consecutive games who just won a WNBA championship right like kelsey plum was the standard basically before maddie like kelsey plum was the player that like set all of these records and was like the generational player um just to like put that in perspective like she is doing what a WNBA champion did so the yeah. line there is very direct. And I think the reason why people lose the historical context is because Villanova hasn't won a title. But Maddie, what she's doing, her name is up there with Tamika Ketchings, with Candace Parker, with Maya Moore, with Sue Bird. Like this is the context you need to think of Maddie in as a college basketball player. That's what she's doing. Will it translate to the WNBA? Yes. I'm also going to go ahead and say yes, it'll translate to the WNBA. But is it going to be a title? We'll see. But I think that's where people lose it. Because a lot of times with women's basketball players, it's you remember the title winning teams and not necessarily players who didn't, who weren't a part of it or who weren't, who didn't win a title, but were still elite at that level. And I think we just need to take a step back and realize like what she's doing. Like this is similar to what like Elena Deladon did at Delaware. Like this is, this is, the elite of the elite that she's in the company of and uh, once again everyone needs to take a step back and realize like we're not just watching a great Villanova basketball player we're not just watching a great women's college basketball player we're watching one of the greatest college basketball college basketball players in the last decade 20 years 30 years however you want to put it she's up there and the other thing I'll say too is Maddie is on the finalist list for the national player of the year in my opinion and like not based on the fact that I'm a Villanova Homer, but in my opinion, I do think that like, if she doesn't win player of the year, it is a big miss just because of the season that she has put together. Like, yeah, Caitlin Clark, like she's probably one of the most popular women's college basketball players. Cause she can shoot it from the logo, like Steph Curry, and she gets a lot of attention for it. Um, that's great. Um, Aliyah Boston also gets a lot of attention. She's the best player on the best team. And so like a lot of people are like, she should get national player of the year for being the best player on the best team. But like, I don't think either of those players is putting together a season the way Maddie's putting together a season. And I mean, I think if Villanova does win a title, like, like, you know, if she would, I think that would like kind of just push it all the way over the edge. But I truly do think that Maddie should win player of the year. Like, Outside of the fact that I'm a Villanova homer, it's just what she's doing is incredible. I'm a Villanova homer, and I think she should win National Player of the Year. But I, I mean, agree. so am I. But like, I was trying to say it outside of when you put it in historical context, I feel like you, you almost have to get there. Like you almost have to get there when you put it in the historical context. Like Caitlin Clark is like 
Keelan Clark is kind of like a, in the absence of Paige Beckers being hurt for a lot of her career, because Paige was supposed to be the generational player. It is sad. It is sad, but she'll, she'll play next year. She'll be great. Um, But you know, with that being with, with the absence of Paige Beckers kind of, she was supposed to be the generational player. Like Caitlin Clark has kind of been the generational headline women's player, but Maddie Segrist has bested her this season. She's had a better season than, than Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark gets the eyeballs. Maddie Segrist had a better season. She's um, a leading scorer. Maddie is the leading, the national leading scorer for women's yes. college basketball. Yes. Yes. And she's got her beat by like over a thousand points. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, over a hundred points, over a thousand points. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, in the season context, she's 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 had a better season than like Cheryl Swoops did in '93. She's had a better season than Brittany Griner did in 2012. She's had a better season than Elena Deladon did in 2012. Like it's literally like she's just in like this crazy rarefied air territory. Um, this game, Miami and Indiana is in, is insane. It's tied at 68 with eight seconds left. Um, uh, who has the ball? Yeah, Miami has the ball. <clears throat> Buzzer beater loading. Yeah. So, so, so now that we put Maddie in context, we've celebrated the win. Um, you know, for the for the women, and we're just trying to get an answer on who we're going to play um, next weekend. Like, I just got to say that 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 all of this being said, and kind of putting this putting this whole put a I don't want to say a bow on this season because it's not done yet, and we're definitely not done yet. And we can make a final four run for sure. But understanding that this is the program's second Sweet 16 berth, but understanding the fact that this team was around a 32 team last year is a Sweet 16. I'm just going to say it like this program has something to build on here. We talked about Denise Dillon, we talked about her recruiting, et cetera. Like, listen up. If you're like a women's college basketball recruit, which I'm not sure we have a lot of that if you listen to our podcast. But this program that Villanova's building is like is kind of like built for like like at some point in time Gino Ariema is going to retire. This Villanova program that we're building here is like building to kind of be like the next standard bearer. And I know that seems like a little presumptive, but no, this thing has been ratcheting up for a little bit of time, piece by piece. We now have like an all-time great player to kind of that 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 these players can kind of stand on the shoulders of. And, and we have really good recruits, a lot of young, you know, like up and coming players to boot. This is, we have a very serious program that we're building here. And like the, a lot because of the men's program, but the facilities are incredible. The, the support for college basketball in general is incredible. There's a lot of on TV national games because of our contract with Fox, like, like, the main line and Villanova is a great place to be. Like there's a lot to like about this Villanova women's program that can be going forward. So I just got to say that out loud, Rachel clip that, make it a social clip, mark the time, put it out there. But there's a lot to like about this Villanova women's program. And I think that the next 10 years can be kind of the golden age of Villanova women's basketball. No disagreement here at all. Shit. All right. All right, so this is the um, so let's let's just talk a little bit about everything else that happened today. Wait, because wait, wait! Indiana lost. They did. Did Miami, Miami hit the bucket? 
Miami hit the bucket. Oh, shit. Final. Grace Berger's crying. So, we, we're, so we're playing a nine seed. We're playing a nine seed eight. in the Sweet 16 for the right to go to the Elite Eight. Things are breaking our way. All Let's right. fucking go, baby. Holy shit. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Love that. Oh, top range jumper. Right oh. over everybody. Ooh. Real time, baby. I told you we we're coming to you live. This is real time where we're watching this happen. And then they and then Miami basically stole the ball. She tried to dribble Damn. up the hard as as and she she couldn't she couldn't get the ball, the shot off before the clock. Let's fucking go. We have a nine seed to make the Elite Eight. That's crazy. Don't underestimate them. Miami. Yeah, I was going to say, don't underestimate Miami. Miami is on a tear, but. No, I agree. Fair. But. I don't know who number, I don't know who number three is, but she's very big. She's very tall. All right. We got a work cut out for us, but, but, but I'd rather play the nine seed than the one seed. That's all I'm going to say is seven years ago, a Villanova team faced Miami in the Sweet 16. Hmm. That was the Jenkins logo shot. It yeah. was. Hmm. We know how that ended. <laughs> I like that. I would like that a lot. Lucy Olsen tees off from the logo. I'm going fucking nuts. Because <laughs> 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 like Maddie is too like Mad- Maddie plays like such like a selfless brand of basketball, despite the fact that she shoots like 20 plus shots a game. Like she plays very selfishly. Like Lucy Olsen, not to say she plays selfishly, but Lucy Olsen's the one with the stones to actually shoot that ball. So I, from, from that deep, so I love that. Lucy Olsen's got like a Miles Powell-ness to her. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like dribble up the court and just fire, like heave one up when she wants to heat check it and hit it and like have the skills to hit it. She's kind of got that. You said it got that, that dog to her. I love She's that. got stones. Yeah. She's yeah. like, yeah, she's, she's, yeah, I fucking love Lucy. Yeah. All right. Um, I love Lucy. That's going to be a, that might be a, a future bit. That, yeah. We'll really table that for next year. <laughs> That's the next year. She's got to NIL that. She's got to NIL that right now. Put yeah. on a t-shirt, Lucy. All right. Let's, um, let's move on. So a lot happened in, in the Big East today. This has been kind of like one of the craziest days in Big East that I can, that I can remember. This has got to be the craziest day in the last 10 years since the conference realigned. Um, because like this has been a conference and I've willingly been a part of this. Like this has been like My, a, minus a couple national title runs and such, but Hey, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. You. but I don't mean, I don't mean from the perspective of like, I don't mean from the perspective of like high, like high points of the league. I mean, from the perspective of like just sheer insanity, like the, like the, the amount of different things happening all at once was like crazy today. This was like a, this is like a throwback to like 40 years ago, big East type type thing. Like it was nuts headlines making everywhere, several cities up and down the East coast. Like, and in, in the span of everything, it was just like, it was just like the fact that we have three teams in the sweet 16, which should be the headline was like, was like, was like the number four or five number thing that was going on today. Yeah, that's true. I for, it's it's funny. I actually did forget that we were celebrating just last night. They have three three teams in, which is the first. Is that the first time we've had that? Maybe we've had it one other since time. realignment. It's the first time we've had three first teams time. In the wow, which three teams is the most of any conference tied with the SEC? Pretty yep. damn good. Fuck them, Willie. What's up? I was just gonna say. I mean, you think about it. We have you had Patino coming back, 
And I'm like, without breaking it all down, like this was the moment where not, not Patina, but Cooley leaving where there was just genuine animosity again for the first time yeah. since the since the new big east realistically mm -hmm. like it where there was genuine like oh fuck off like <laughs> i regardless of how they are on the court georgetown's back people pe we care about georgetown again cooley did that immediately like that's important we i it's there's just a lot here that there's a lot of energy the fact that the three big east teams are in the sweet 16 we have honestly probably the best coaches head to toe in of any conference like i just like in terms of notoriety like the fact that sec thad, and us is probably yeah maybe yeah the fact that thad mata is probably the eighth best coach in this league and is a historically like good coach is like that's just that's what we're dealing with here like yeah. there's a lot of there's just a lot of talent there's a lot the cities the the rivalries i don't know this is this is a really exciting Big East day. Like, it's kind of wild because, like, in my head, Cooley's been the biggest, like, is the biggest news and then everything. But, like, Rick Patino's back. Patino's back. Like, and he's Rick Patino's back. He's going to have the cool. garden and he's going to just obliterate New York City recruiting. Like, forever, however long he coaches in St. John's, like, St. John's is going to be a thing again. <laughs> like, this is fun. I'd love to see the jump in uh, St. John's season ticket sales after the announcement today because it, it had to have spiked. I don't know what they were last year or the year prior, but you have to imagine they're a lot higher this year. It's going to get real intense in the garden. It's going to be appointment television. That Fox, Fox right now is licking their chops because this conference has just become just like something else, man. It is it is awesome. You could have written, you could write a new We Didn't Start the Fire Billy Joel lyric on today alone um, in this conference. This was a banner, banner, banner day for, for the new Big East. And Willie, I really like the point you made. I have been all in on like the kumbaya-ness of the new Big East. I loved it. And I felt like it was necessary um, for, for 10 years. These, these schools kind of got backed into a corner and had to figure this out. And we kind of had to hold hands and jump into the abyss together and be like, and be like, well, here we go. Here goes nothing. Like we're in a brave new world and we're going to do it together. And we're going to fight and claw our way through this together. And Villanova kind of was the standard bearer for a while. And people like to hate Nova as we went on that run, but also kind of respected Nova and appreciated that Nova was like, kind of like really carrying the biggies flag there for a while. And like you talk to fans across the conference and like they openly admit that they're like, Oh, I hate Villanova. I hate these guys. They get all the refs calls, yada, yada, yada. They, you know, they complain and whatever, but in the heart of hearts, they knew that Villanova was keeping the biggies afloat for, for, for several years. Then UConn came back and they brought their like daddy's home energy back with them. They kind of came yes. back and be like, this is our fucking conference. Like, I don't care that we were gone for a few years. I don't care about Villanova. I don't want to hear about it. Like UConn came back with all of that, like all of the negative energy that UConn comes with, they brought it. And like, and like to their credit, it kind of worked <laughs> and they kind of succeeded in making the Big East a little bit meaner again, although it was largely constrained to UConn and Providence like that. There's just no love lost there between UConn and Providence. So there was kind of constrained to that. And then 
but still Jay Wright was there. Villanova was, you know, kind of made to the final four and whatever. And it was like, you know, okay, it was still Villanova's league and, and it was still kind of kumbaya. We're still happy that we're still like, there's some team out there that's getting success in the tournament. And then the combination of factors this year, both, both Villanova kind of fading back a little bit and not having that Jay Wright figurehead. You have UConn and Providence constantly taking swings at each other. You have the UConn start to the season where their fans got really fucking high on a, on a high horse and were really excited and then followed by a bunch of losses in a row. And then you had Shaka doing his thing at Marquette, Creighton kind of meandering, but figuring it out late. Xavier High, <laughs> Sean Miller, <laughs> like just less than a year ago or just about a year ago. And you have all these factors coming together and it's just like the intensity of the Big East just ratcheted up a lot this year. And then today was really the nail in the coffin. Today, the new Big East lost its innocence. Like, that's the best way I could describe it. Rick Pitino is at St. John's. And Georgetown went and, and fucking defiled, is the name is the term that I used on Twitter, defiled Providence and stole their head coach from them. A guy who was like, literal tagline was like, I'm Mr. Providence like family friars, whatever, like, like, like had all these things had, had all this thing about them that he was like the biggest culture guy for Providence. And he like, kind of like, and like, to be honest with you, didn't have a ton of postseason to success to stand on, but like just had enough to say that we were going in the right direction for a Providence program. That was like between Keno Davis and Welsh before him or whatever his name was like, like was kind of, was kind of like meandering along for a while and not really having a lot of success and Cooley kind of brings them out of it and makes them feel really good about themselves just to fucking stab them in the back and go to a different conference, you know, a different conference team at the, at the 11th hour, kind of like later on in his career, he's 53. So later on in his career and he doesn't want to work forever. Like that's crazy. This is a crazy intense thing on the heels of, as we were just talking about, Three sweet 16 teams. So, so man, this conference is just brimming right now. And yeah, the innocence, Willie, to your point, it's gone. It's gone. It's hate. Hate is back in the big. Are, are we all on the fuck Georgetown train? Oh, I feel I'm like, big. I feel like, the, I feel like this, this Cooley hire was like the laziest fucking hire of all, like maybe of all time. Like you didn't even, you conducted a national search and all you did was look over your shoulder at basically the only other like really successful kind of available coach in the conference that you would want to pick up. And you said, yeah, we'll take him for a program that hasn't given a shit about winning for the past six years. I'll call it four years. Cause two years, I don't know, they give you a little bit of a buffer and he did actually all right the first couple of years, but you don't give a shit about winning. And then you just like, strip it away from this program that's actually done some good shit and progressed their program and done stuff to advance the conference over the past five years like go fuck yourself georgetown it's just i don't know oh i'm back on the k georgetown trade slightly different reasons but like i'm back because i know they're back a little bit and i'm and and like literally like it's like the emperor in um, in Return of the Jedi, like let the let the hate flow through you. Like yeah. I had so much repressed hate for Georgetown that is now fucking. Bad, well, I mean, baby, you so. know, you know, Cooley's going to have them like at least a competent program pretty oh, quickly. So you're gonna, you're going to have guy. to show up like until high we just do, we're not just going to fucking run them over. They're going to be competent next year. 
Like that's just going to happen immediately. You already yeah. got a guy in the portal. Yeah. Oh, like, you didn't get a guy, but he got a guy. Yeah. Kyle needs to take some notes. They're, they're going to be competent yeah, next year. We're going to get to that too. And what I'm just most excited about is like, I'm not fucked Georgetown yet because I need to like, for me to hate to flow through me, I need to like see it in a game. I need to like, I need to hear them at the Capital One Center, Verizon Center, whatever you want to call it. Um, I need to hear them, and I just need to, which is a terrible college basketball arena. First off, like I oh, hate that horrible. arena. With, we went to a especially, game especially when it's empty, like which it has been for like the last seven years. <laughs> it's just it's a terrible arena. Hopefully, that's going to get packed again. But all that to say, like Cooley's there. Cooley's going to recruit the shit out of the DMV. Like this is like the bigger where it's fuck Georgetown. It's because. And coaches feel this. I saw something about coaches already saying this. I'm sure Kevin Willard's pissed off about this at Maryland. Cooley coming back and coming into the DMV and having Georgetown be competent is going to make people at like in that conference, the high school students in that conference, consider staying home. Georgetown, like it's, I know it's not going to be the 90s. It's not going to be the Kente Cloth era with, you know, JT and Iverson and all, and Alonzo Mourning and Matumbo, all these players that were really cool. It's, it's not going to be that immediately or, or maybe even ever again. But what it is going to be is you've now created the, the flagship program in the DMV area is now good again or going to be good again. There are kids who are going to have want to stay home who in the past have gone to Villanova, who have gone to Maryland, have gone to UVA, have gone to UNC, have gone to Duke. All these players from that conference, like Jeremy Roach went to Duke. If Georgetown was just as good, maybe Jeremy Roach stays at home. Josh Hart. Just about to say, to bring it back to Villanova, Josh Hart. Josh Hart wanted to go to Georgetown and Georgetown just did not recruit him because they're dummies. (laughs) If now Cooley's not going to make that mistake, that's just not what that's Cooley's not going to do that. So the next Josh Hart is probably going to just be like, oh, I'm going to go to I'm going to stay home and go to Georgetown, Maryland and Georgetown. I wouldn't be surprised, especially because Cooley and Willard know each other. I wouldn't be surprised if that rivalry gets reignited and like they sign like we're going to play once a year, every beginning of the year for like the next five seasons and like have that renewed and. I went to that game. It happened, I think it was like a Gavit game, but I went to that and I think it was like 2018. Like that was real. Like Georgetown wasn't even that good yet. And that was really, really, there was a lot of hate there. There was a lot of animosity. So this is just going to inject life back into DMV, like college basketball. This is just, uh, Cooley's going to do a really good job with this. And I'm excited to say, finally, fuck Georgetown because it was very sad for a long time. Yeah, it's, it was, it's, it's interesting. I don't put too much stock in... Uh... And like recruiting areas at this point, because there it seems to be kind of broadening, like you don't need to necessarily own an area. But I will say the fact that we now have Patino back in New York and Cooley in um Cooley in, in DC now puts them in two basically recruiting hotbeds where they have flagship name programs. So if Kyle was thinking things were challenging already, like uh, yeah. they just got dialed up a whole lot. This needs like, to be a call to Kyle to like focus on Philly and f- focus on Philly. <laughs> like, like yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because the pitch is easy too. It's for both Patino and Kula. It's come help rebuild a historic college basketball program. If you're Patino in the Mecca in New York, it doesn't get any better. If you're Cooley, it's rebuild it in Georgia, like in DC, like. People love it. It's so fucking simple. With the portal, with the portal, these these can be tournament teams next year. Completely. 
Totally. Yeah. Next season, these guys can make the tournament. Yeah. I, so if, like, I'm already Gino's thinking not, about. Gino's not going to fuck around. Holy I'm shit. already thinking about putting a future on them to make the Sweet 16 next year. Just like whatever, <laughs> whatever it comes out on me, I'll put it down. And, and by the way, there's a there's there's like already several hundred players in the transfer portal. Yep, I think it was eight. How many St. John's players are in there? How many? Zero. Okay. <laughs> they knew something was up. That's, oh, that's a really good up. point. I didn't think I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. After Anderson got five, yeah, yeah, they didn't want to leave. Oh, Soriano did Soriano declare for the Soriano? He, he said he was going to. He said he was going to, but then someone clearly went and talked to him and said, just 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 wait a second. <laughs> like, we got a guy. <laughs> like, like all of a sudden now you get to oh, you're playing for Mike Anderson. Yeah, you get to play in the garden. Oh, now you're playing for Rick fucking Patino. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Like he's going to make you a NCAA tournament team tomorrow. Like there's talent on St. John's, right? There was talent on Georgetown. (laughs) Like, like uh, Primo Spears left. There was, there was a bunch of people who left from, from, from Georgetown, but Cooley doesn't want them anyway. Um, But Cooley got uh, what's his name from TCU. Um, Allegedly. 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 Uh, Eddie Lampkin though. Eddie Lampkin who like led TCU to a tournament, a couple tournament wins or one or two tournament teams uh, wins last year. Like, like, yeah, to Rob's point, to Willie's point, like Jay Wright, like, I don't want to say Jay Wright killed St. John's and Georgetown, but Jay Wright, like recruited Philly. And then he went up to New York and he got that big um, recruiting class right from under New York with Boy and Ray and Frazier and got all those guys and got them down to Villanova. And then slowly, but surely, Jay Wright built his bona fides in the DMV and Scotty Reynolds came from the DMV, Dante Cunningham, Dwayne Anderson, all from the DMV. Um, <clears throat> Sadiq Bay, Josh Hart, Chris Jenkins, like, and the list goes on and on and on the DMV guys at this program, put the program over the top, right? Like we talk about the New York and Philly guys that Jay was so good with Jay getting into the DMV change the trajectory of the program so like so like this is now really hard because willard's at maryland had a successful season year one cooley is going to have these guys ncaa tournament potential in year two i mean in year one at least um definitely by year two and rick patino is going to have st john's fucking rolling um right away and 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 specifically with or for both patino and cooley these guys aren't wasting any time because both of them don't want to coach for that much longer. They're both, Patino's much older than Cooley, but Cooley kind of like has said to many people publicly that he's kind of more on the Jay Wright retirement front. So like these guys both probably feel like they have, I don't know, a window of like five to seven years, I'll call it five to eight years respectively to like get this thing going. And yeah, they're going to be able to do that pretty quickly. Yeah, it's going to be, I guess, I don't know, fun to, it's fun to fun, see. I don't know, fun, but not fun. Not fun for fun us. fun for the timing conference sucks. broadly. For Villanova, like, Kyle's timing, got his time, work Timing sucks. Kyle's got his work cut out for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we got our work cut out. Yeah. And let's should, let's, should just, let's just that? parlay yeah. that. Let's get into yeah. that now. Yeah. So, so the early headlines of this offseason is that on one hand, it hasn't been as noisy 
at least from like an announcement standpoint, as I thought it would be. I genuinely believed that we would have a, a CAM draft announcement, another, and at least two um, transfer portal announcements already. Now that could come. Kyle's still doing his postseason kind of player interviews, et cetera. Like that could all still come. And I want to get there. Uh, but, but on the one hand, so you could look at that and say, that's kind of positive that like we've been able to hold it down with like now a week out of this season. On the other hand, we haven't been making headlines on the other side either, which is the portal where we've been like too, I don't know if it's too picky, not out there enough. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but there's like several hundred guys in the portfolio, uh, sorry, in the, in the transfer portal. And we're, and our name's attached to like five. Arkansas is on like every fucking list. Okay. I'm just bringing up Arkansas because like, you know, Musselman's like a crazy, but they're also still playing. So like they're still playing. Right. Right. Providence was on these lists. (laughs) Now Georgetown is, but like Providence was on these lists while they were still playing. Like, all the teams in the conference are on the list. We're on like five lists. Guys, this isn't like, we don't get to be picky right now. We don't get to be picky. Like, like we get to be picky once we get interest from these players. But like, it's time to fucking get your shit together and start getting out there. And like, we cannot be picky putting this team together. Because like, we have, we already talked about this in the last podcast. We know that we have four open roster spots. Okay. We're only on like five guys. We're not yep. going to get all five. So like, so like, let's fucking go. Hurry the fuck up. Even without the understanding of like whatever potential rocks roster exodus that like might happen with transfers, whatever that is. You're right. We have four open spots that you like spread the wealth. Like uh, unless they're that confident that of those five that we're getting four of those, like we know that, which we don't, I can be go like, we don't know that. Not like, with NIL, just yeah, change it in an instant. Change it in an instant. Literally uh, not, spread the Not world. when you're talking to 19-year-olds. Come on. Like, <laughs> nothing, right. nothing is written here. Yeah. Like, spread the wealth. Like, quite literally, shoot your shot. Slide in the DMs. However, I don't know how they reach out to the, in the transfer portal. I'm, I'm sure it's like a click a button or whatever it is. But, like, there's – I can think of, like, 20 players. I would have been, like, interest. Here's a phone call. It, are you interested? Because that's what it is. It's, are you interested? This is the kind of the vision we have. And then you have deeper conversations after that. That conversation should be happening. Like Kyle should be spending 20 minutes on the phone with every player, like <laughs> in the portal, like, Hey, this is what we're thinking about. You know, this is what we, this is what we like. Um, this is what we like about you. This is how we think you can fit. Like, I understand that there's other roster movement that we like have to like, kind of like hold our like hold horses for, but there are four empty roster spots that we know are going to be open no matter what happens. If everyone else stays, we know we still have those four spots. So like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Guys, should, do we need, is there a business opportunity here? Should we be creating Tinder for recruiting? I like that. This is actually a great idea. Hey, hey, you up? I think it's a great idea um but yeah and and I, I think we talked we may have talked about this too like yeah we've got these empty roster spots and like we know this team needs to get better because this team without Justin and Cam and with and Slater, and Daniel, Slater. <laughs> lost to Liberty like ugh. if yeah. that's the ceiling like we need we need some more ammo here, guys. So we we've got to get got to get to work here. I don't know. And yeah, maybe we're like. We're for. I, 
maybe we're slow playing the announcements of like people leaving like maybe it is we wanted to give it an amount of time i'd be curious to see what happens tomorrow i just saw the first two draft announcements like this this like i hadn't seen anyone declare early yet and i just saw the first two today um uh, Max Lewis at Pepperdine and Judah Mintz at Syracuse both declared for the first. So maybe we'll see Cam's because once again, Cam is leaving. We're not, no one pretends Cam's leaving. Oh no, I, I heard a rumor he's coming back. Coming back. <laughs> I, I started the rumor. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll see something tomorrow from Cam. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen anything else, but we need to, I mean, we're reaching out slowly. We got, I think we, sh- I sh- we showed up on two today, like two new lists that I think I saw. So yeah, so pace is exp- increasing. Exponential growth. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we'll see. Fibonacci <laughs> sequence tells you that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. One. Maybe it'll be two. three tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> then five the next day. It's five. We're go. getting there. Um, but but yeah, like uh, straight up, like some of this probably has to do with the fact that we have assistants who are planning at least one assistant who's planning on moving on. There's so many fucking rumors out there, guys. Like, we know the rumor about <clears throat> George Helkovich going to um, going to Bucknell. Okay. That's not finalized yet, to my knowledge. Um, we there's a rumor now circulating that Nardi might go to Maryland. Um, though I don't know if that's true or not. But like, I don't really understand it either. I don't get like, that either because yeah. Willard's still kind of young, and I'm not sure I'd go there, but. Unless Willard's telling him that he's going to be second in command, yeah. Then in that case, then like okay, but that's going to be that's kind of an interesting rumor, and that's just on the assistant coaching front. Then you have, uh, you know, I do think where the program would go, my guess, my program where where the program would go is probably find a way to get Ash Howard out of the collective area and back into the coaching area. There was a rumor going on at the Albany head coach. I, I don't buy that rumor for one bit. That didn't seem to be a fit for me. Um, you know, I do get wanting to get some guys with head coaching experience to supplement Kyle. Um, but, but yeah, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I think Ash Howard's probably the easy fit there. What to do get you a mature th- voice in the room? What do you think about bringing Jay Wright back as an assistant? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, yeah I'm we in. should do that, right? Yeah, yeah I'm in. Sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to talk about the whole Jay Wright on my fucking television all the time because like some people are like, oh, it's so fun to see Jay Wright. And I'm like, I'd rather get fucking waterboarded. I literally <laughs> would rather be waterboarded than to you don't continue like the watching this coach. Yeah. Who's this coach, this coach who is clearly like in the prime of his fucking life, like, like just chilling on television when he could be coaching and, and well, well, they, well, they just he is so too, where they're like, Oh, you left so early. Like, Oh, you're back. Jay. It's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, and we wait. don't really mean go fuck yourself, but I'm just saying that I'd rather be waterboard. And Proverbially. Yeah, yeah, wait, I just read this. We don't, he doesn't owe us anything. And at the same time, I don't want to, I don't need it in my face. <laughs> uh, just, just to bring back to the women real quick I just found this quote on Twitter uh, from the FGCU head coach Villanova is a final four level team to me that's how good they are I wouldn't be surprised if they got there so FGCU's coach also sees it Willie we design. literally must be we must have the same timeline because I just read that but from Megan Moreheart Moreheart yep. yeah yep. yep I don't even know to see it she's 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 awesome Megan Moreheart if you don't follow her 
she is um she does work she was at the villanova and she still might be there I, I could be messing up i'm going off of the brain a little bit here um but she's written for the philadelphia inquirer about this villanova women's team she's all over it she is the person to follow you gotta file follow megan morehart if you're uh if you're a fan um all right sorry like we just got to kind of, but with all the assistant coach potentially moving on thing, whatever, then Kyle's got to take it on himself. Get Dwayne Anderson involved. These guys got to start moving. We have to move because this there's is no, happening there's no quickly. Excuse. There's no, there's no excuse. You already know that you have four roster spots opening. Like, like I know that you're trying their hardest. They're working probably overtime right now on making sure they keep the guys on and we can address those rumors. There's been rumors about, I think every player other than maybe Chris Arch and, um, and the walk-on uh, and Colin O'Toole. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like other than Chris Arch and Colin O'Toole, there's been a rumor about every single player. Um, so let, let's just, we can hit on that a little bit. There's been rumors about Justin Moore. And so we've been saying all year, guys, that just, this is probably Justin Moore's last season as a Villanova Wildcat. Like this is like, so, so whether he goes to the pros, whether he hits the portal, Whatever it may be, I don't know what it's going to be, but what, like, guys, like I, we've been saying this to you all year, like, th- and that's why Justin Moore is. That's why it's four. That's why we've been counting on. We need four roster spots. We've been telling you all season long, four is the number that we have to get to after this season because Justin Moore will not be here next year. Is it possible that we can get him back with a world, like you know, NIL deal? Maybe, but I'm not in his head. I don't know. And we talked about it last week on the podcast. He's 23 in April. He turns 24 next April. Like he has thoughts of wanting to go pro anywhere. Like, like he probably is getting to a point where he needs to move on. That's reality. Um, but, but beyond Justin, right? Like there's been rumors about Mark. There's been rumors about Eric. There's been rumors about like, like, like there's rumors about everybody. <laughs> and except I, and, for Chris Arch, our except savior. Except for Chris Arch. Except for Chris Arch. I feel pretty good that Chris Arch will exercise the year, but maybe he won't. Maybe he'll move on. Yeah, maybe Chris and is like, I'm out. <laughs> he'll want to go pro in like accounting or something. Um, but but neither here nor there. Like the program needs to get with it in the portal. Like I, I, we keep saying it, and and it's true, and we're gonna start pressing this. Because because we're just not involved enough. Like, and I have heard that there's some guys who haven't entered the portal yet who who were who we'd be potentially interested in. Should they go into the portal? Not saying there's anything bad. That's a, that's or, a tampering. Yeah, no, not to say any tampering going on or anything like that. But like, should like, uh, there's a couple guys we have our eye on who we think might be interested in going to the portal who we're kind of like ready to pounce on, but like. Until their names in the portal, we have to kind of play with the cards that were dealt, and the cards that are dealt are the guys in the portal. And like, I haven't seen our name on a big time center yet. <laughs> like, yeah. who who are we on, by the way? I just haven't even followed that closely. Like, the five or six guys were were after. Yeah. Like, are they checking our boxes? Like, so they check the garden, garden couple ways. Wing. Um, yeah. So we've been on, I think there's six I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Amari Abraham, who was an Ole Miss, or an Ole Miss transfer, I believe a freshman this year, was a freshman this year. Um, 
the two Temple transfers, um, well, Temple has a lot of transfers, but um, Damian Dunn, we just showed up on his list today, and then Khalif Battle, we were on his list right. yesterday. Dunn is a redshirt sophomore, but I think has like COVID years. I think he has two years of eligibility left. I can't remember how much eligibility they have left. Khalif Battle has some amount of eligibility left. None of them are one-year eligibilities, I believe. I think okay. they all have at least right. two. What's a plus? Um, there's Jace Carter. He's a junior from UIC forward. Um, Jameson Battle, who is a red shirt junior. I'm doing this off the top of my head. From, from Minnesota? Minnesota? From Minnesota. And then um, I'm missing one more. Oh, we reached out to um, Nicholas Timberlake, but it sounds like we're kind of falling off of his radar. He was Towson's point guard. He was a one-year rental. He would have been a one-year yeah. rental. I think that's the six I have off the top of my head. There might be one more I'm missing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> but yeah, but no, no center to your point, Chris. And like, you know, right from the start, this is the one, this is the biggest position that we need, right? Like, like, like if you just put the team on the court, right? And let's just say you run them out and we know we have deficiencies. If you're starting lineup is Mark Armstrong, Chris Archidiacono, um, Brendan Hawes and Eric Dixon, Trey Patterson, right? Like, like there's, there's deficiencies all around there, but like, like there's oh sorry I forgot Jordan Longino I don't know put Chris take Chris Arch put Jordan Longino in there so like so like you know that that's like it's like an okay lineup to start but you have Chris Arch coming off the bench you have Nana Njoku who I, I'm just I'm just gonna call my shot right now has to transfer right like two seasons of not playing has to transfer right like, so go call a spade a spade there like I don't want to dance around I don't beat around the bush there but like yeah come on right like like so that's not happening right so like so you got you got those guys on the bench we already talked about the fact that we have nobody else under scholarship so like so like oh you have jordan dumont who's coming in from as a freshman so you have six seven guys maximum who can actually play and what i i don't exactly like that lineup's not getting it done Right, like we saw it this year. We saw it this year with Cam Whitmore in the lineup, with Brandon Slater in the lineup, with Caleb Daniels in the lineup. Like, like, yeah, you could develop the shit out of these guys in the Davis Center in the offseason. Like, it's not going to get it done. Not in this yeah. Big East. Not with Marquette returning everybody. Not with UConn with a top three recruiting class and returning a lot of guys to boot. Right, like, not with not with the coaching amped up. Like, not with the coach. Not with Patino and Cooley. Like, and not with and not with. Um, mcdermott and and miller out there as well so like hello and and i know by the way shaheen holloway had like a decent year with a bunch of players he hated (laughs) i'm gonna go out and say it like kyle's the uh, i'm not gonna call him the worst coach but he's the least experienced out of all of them yeah he's the least proven he's the least proven like stubblefield like stubblefield has his issues there's probably that greater coach has more tenure Shaheen, even though Shaheen has more tenure and also has an elite eight under his belt, and then everyone else does everyone else have a final four? I don't know. Cooley no. doesn't. No, Cooley doesn't have a final four. Everyone else has a sweet 16. Yeah. That's wild. Damn. Yeah. Mata has a sweet 16. Shaka Smart has a sweet 16. Jeez. McDermott's got a sweet 16. Uh, Miller's got a sweet 16. Shaheen Holloway has a sweet 16. Um, <laughs> Providence doesn't have a coach, so so that 
So we don't know. TBD. Yeah, we don't know about <laughs> Providence. I said Cooley. Hurley has Sweet 16. Patino's got a Sweet 16. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. These coaches are really fucking good. Really fucking good. Okay. So, so, yeah. Look, on this podcast, we were very clear with everybody from the jump. Kyle Neptune needs time to build the program that he wants to build. And there's a lot of things that he needs to do and whatever. And we need to exercise patience in the process. Like, I'm going to be patient if we don't make the tournament next year. I'll be patient about that if there is progress. But like now, like after that last year that we had, which I was never really good or bad, was never really putting in Kyle's holster. Right. Like, and we on this podcast kind of told you, like, look, guys, like, like, give Kyle this year. Like, I was kind of like, even if Kyle made the final four this year, I was kind of kind of be like, it's not his team. Like, it's kind of like a Kevin Ollie situation, right? Like, not his team. Like, like I was gonna be balanced on that too. But but he, neither here nor there, like you have you have this situation right now. Where, where we have a really hard conference to compete in. It's only getting harder. And, and now we have to start to like call a spade a spade here. And so the early test here was going to be this off season and how this is going to go. And, and we are at a point right now where there hasn't been transfers out yet. We think there will be, we don't know who it's going to be exactly. There's a new rumor every day. Oh, this guy's now committed to staying. Oh, this guy's going to leave and whatever, but let's just say we do okay there. Still, there's four guys who we have to replace. And so, and so calling a spade a spade, also like four high level guys, like it's not like level. we need, those are, you need four stars essentially. Right. Right. And I think you could argue that Mark should be a starter. Or four starting level players. Regardless. Eric is a starter, yeah. right? Like, like, yeah, but you need to, you need four guys who are going to play, who are going to play, significant minutes who can be relied yep. on to play significant minutes such that Chris Archie Diakon doesn't have to play 30 minutes a game right like and you can say whatever oh he tries hard whatever like like I love Chris Archie Diakon we've defended the decision from if his playing time early in the season on this podcast whatever like I, that doesn't mean Chris Archie Diakon is the, is the answer like so we could we could just say that up front that Chris Archie Diakon is great in the role of being a guy who pushes our guys who plays Villanova basketball who is like, you know, the eighth, ninth guy on the, on, on the bench. That's a great role for him. He's a, he's a great program and ambassador on that front. And he's served his role and that purpose admirably. But in this current situation that we're in right now, Chris Archidiacono is either a starter or the sixth man. And that's not acceptable to Villanova's, to Villanova standards. And so, and so with that being said, it's now on Kyle with assistants moving on and potentially some guys coming in with some transition in the coaching situation, it's now on Kyle to hurry the fuck up and start getting some shit done, right? Like point blank. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be patient, but like now you're looking for like, okay, indicators of potential success. I need to see indications that he's, that, that, that we're moving. And yeah. so I'm calling this out right now. We need to get involved in the portal more urgently than we are right now and that's not to say like we're expecting like 
I don't think any of us are expecting us to have this person signed already. Like, we know that's not how it works. No, no, but, no, 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 no. But I just wanted to call out for anyone who's, like, thinking, like, are they, like, what's the expectation here? The expectation is that we just show urgency, that we show the ability to multitask, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like, it feels like we're staggering and we're being very – and, like – I'm going to use the word picky and that's not to say we shouldn't be picky in the portal. Like obviously you want to target people that you feel can work, but there's 800 people in the portal. We've reached out to six. Maybe there's a seventh. I'm not thinking of. And let's just say there's three other guys who we think might enter mm -hmm. who we're waiting yeah. for. That's 10. Like, unless we're like, we're not, not getting going, a 50%. Hit yeah. Rate. We're not going 50%. So you need to start reaching out and, I just what I think we're worried about and what I'll speak for myself here is just that we don't we won't know how to play the game properly and we're going to get left behind. And then uh, then all these other people who are interested in other teams, they're going to go to other team like Eric Musselman. <laughs> I'm going to go. We're going to go back to Mus. Arkansas is reached out to like 30 players already and is in the sweet 16. Damn, that's like wild. that. They Arkansas has just that and Arkansas just that, that's what they do. They pull in transfers. That's. I think Muss has figured out that this is the way it's going to work, and it's transfers, yeah. and he gets high-end freshmen too. Yeah, and then that's it. All and, world athletes on his team, and that's what Calipari is trying to do. Calipari just needs to change his offense. That's a whole other thing, but um, yeah. So I just I I want to see us like make progress in understanding the new way of the world, and it's not to say that Kyle doesn't see that because he probably does. It's just where we're sitting right now on March twentieth. It's we're like we got to see the pudding because there's no proof. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So look, am I am I ringing the alarm bells? I wouldn't say I'm ringing the alarm bells. I'm not going to ring the alarm bells if we see some guys transfer. Just to call it out yeah. right here, we expect it. It's been a it's been a hectic season. I wish I could tell eighteen to twenty three year old kids that you know, one hectic season does not make a program, does not make a situation, whatever, like fight through the adversity a little bit. Like, yeah, it wasn't what you expected, but give it a chance. Let some of the situations that I would tell them if I was advising them, I'd say, let some of the things that kind of, that kind of harm this season between the injuries and the changes and some of the guys who probably should have been advised to move on who weren't like from the assistant level, let all that dust kind of settle from this season. Let's get back to a level situation. And then you actually might be in a situation that is much better. And you might have a more fun season next year. Even if it's not a tournament type season, you might have a season that's kind of rebuilding to a point of like, oh, this is this is now starting to get fun. We're starting to hit some stride later on the season and starting to feel good about the program again. Like I would advise those guys to say like, stick it out because what's on the other end might be actually quite, exciting but they're 18 to 23 year old kids so i expect some transfers out point blank like just call just calling it what it is so like with that being said I, like like okay the program needs to be responsive to that I so think, go ahead i think like people need to there's probably going to be a time where on this roster we have we like we probably have five players and maybe a six man and it's going to feel like the cupboard's pretty empty. Don't panic because of that. That's basically the expectation. It's what happens after that. That's all that matters. Yeah. And what happens after that, we're starting to see the early indicators of that. That's why 
that's why on this podcast right now, we're starting to be like, hello, where are you at? Like, let's, 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 let's start to roll here because without that, then I'm starting to feel a little bit worried about directionally. Like you're talking, okay, what am I looking for from like a directional thing? I want to see a sense of urgency. I want to see, I want to see us on a lot of more recruits. I will say that we have showed up on a lot of 2024 recruits things. So like to the credit. Kyle's focusing on that for sure. Yeah. Kyle's definitely focused on 2024. Good. Right. Like that's definitely a good sign, but like, but like I'm looking at all the individual signs and saying, okay, 2024 recruits, like I give him a pass on 2023 because that really wasn't him. Like a lot of the seeds are the seeds are sowed before he even got here. Like I'm looking at that. I'm looking at um I'm looking at 2024 and I'm looking at the portal right now. And we knew everyone knew around this program, everybody knew that the, this had to be a portal season. And I just don't see the urgency in the portal yet. And so I'm calling it out before it gets too late early. All right. Yeah. What else do we have to cover? Um, a little bit, uh, just a little quick recap of the weekend here. I guess we can, we can, we can hit on that. Uh, Marquette uh, disappointed the Big East. Um, they laid an egg. They laid an egg yesterday guys and it looked like villanova versus nc state in 2015 that's kind of like the analogy they just looked like shit the entire game couldn't hit a shot uh tyler kolek who i was like counting on to be kind of the guy he was a mess yesterday um so i hope he comes away from that experience with some learnings uh but then but then yukon and creighton and uh and Xavier man they looked the part they looked the part yeah. that all three of them can win another game UConn's was just so impressive in the second half it was just uh they went like St. Mary's played really well and and then UConn just once again obliterated them um in the second I, I'm sure if you looked at it in the second half of games versus out of conference competition UConn yeah. just absolutely just like kills people I I'm yeah, I I'm not disappointed in Marquette. They are who I thought they were. Um, I I I I mean, I picked them to lose versus Vermont. Um, that was just, but that was me being that was me being like, I'm going to go for the big upset because I didn't think they'd get to the Sweet 16, and here they are. Um, but Xavier looked looked good versus Pitt. Um, we're going to see Xavier has a real test versus Texas. Texas flies around defensively, really gets under your skin. Um, We'll see how that looks like. And then from there, I think the uh, Creighton just kind of dominated Baylor. Like it was like one of those weird games. Like, yeah, Baylor was in it at some points, but it was, it really was, it was, yeah, all it, was it was just all Creighton. It was like anytime that it was like less, it was like, oh, Baylor's like down six. It was like, it's six, but it feels like 16. Like that's just where, where it felt like Creighton kind of dominated that. Um, so we're going to see. I mean, this is super exciting. Creighton has got Princeton. Princeton, like, and obviously Princeton has done. Princeton beat Arizona. Beat Arizona, beat Missouri. So clearly can beat Creighton, but like Creighton is beating Princeton away from an elite eight. Like that's just, it's that simple. But you have to beat us. You have to beat the a 15 team to make the elite eight. That's just, (laughs) you take that. Um, Yeah. You sign up for that. Like every time, (laughs) like, come on. So like, what's the ask of this conference, I guess. From from your shoes, two, two teams into the elite eight. 
I say, yeah, I would say two with Creighton being the like gimme essentially. Like obviously they're not a gimme. Princeton's a one hell of a smart team, but I would say two. Um, I like it's sneaky because like Arkansas is not Arkansas is not an eight seed. I just want to tell anyone who thinks that they're an eight seed. Arkansas is a three seed talent that was just dealing with injuries all season long. Literally, they're first off. Their best college player, Trayvon Brazil, got injured in like the first week of the season. Tours ACL was done for the year. Nick Smith, who was a lottery level point guard, has been injured. And he's been in and out of the lineup. He's finally back. He's getting healthy again. They've been dealt with injuries across the board. Um, but, I mean, they're they're running. I mean, that that UConn-Arkansas game, I I don't know who I'm going to pick. It's Whoever wins, I, I tweeted this, whoever wins, that coach is going to dance on the grave of the other coach. Like, it is going to be a celebration. I would not be surprised if Hurley and Muss both took off their shirts and wrestled at some point. During, maybe that's how they'll settle in overtime. They'll, they'll wrestle versus each other because they are insane people, both of them. Both of them are nuts. They're absolutely nuts. Um Arkansas has made like two straight elite eights or something like that. Yeah, right? they're like, must has them rolling. They're good and two like two straight elite eights with essentially different teams every single year. Yeah, like he, people he's, leave. He's yeah. good. Yeah, Barkley on the other day was like, "Oh, this UConn Arkansas game. This is what we call this is what we call a grown's man game." <laughs> like Rob, <laughs> if you want like a team of men type contest, like the two thousand eight. Memphis team of men. Like, if you want this, like that UConn Arkansas game is like meant for you to watch. I can see watch it. I can see it. Yeah, you there, got, there is a lot. Big bodies. There is a lot of athletes on that court in UConn Arkansas. That 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 has all the makings of the game of the tournament. Um, That's going to be like, yeah, I honestly has the making of the game. That's going to be one of the ones they're running up. Like, do you remember? Arizona versus TCU in the Sweet 16 from last year, where it was like super intense. The old ones, they were running up and down. It, a TCU won. In, um, I think that was a round of 32. It was round of 32. But yes, I remember. Was it round of 32? I think it was. Whenever. Yeah, it was TCU round of 32. Beat, yeah, Arizona was like a one seed. TCU beat. Um, yeah, because Arizona lost yeah. to Houston in the Sweet 16. And TCU um, beat. Uh, Stephen Hall. Stephen Hall. Yeah. 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 So regardless, like that level of game where it's just like, this is so intense. Like we're going to see that here. Um, Yeah. I think our numbers, we, we get two to the elite eight and then you hope to get one to the final four, um, which would be really cool. Um, It'd be cool if all three made it to the final four, like give me all three. It's possible. Well, except for, I don't want want Xavier to do it. That's selfishly. I've picked Houston to win everything. So if if Houston loses, I'm finished. I'm, I'm just saying it's to recover from it. We're gonna, we're gonna get like one into the Elite Eight. We're, we're lucky. <laughs> it's not gonna so be Creighton. Caps, it, caps at one. Creighton's gonna if lose. If fucking Princeton, Princeton beats yeah. Creighton, which like it's very possible on the backs of like of what St. Francis did last year or St. Peter's did last year. Um but um yeah, I we got to get two. We got to get two in the Elite Eight once the Final Four. That's kind of where my head's at. I do think UConn is the best path once you get past Arkansas. So, Sweet 16, repick the Final Four now. We have 16 teams. Give us your Final Four from each. I'm still putting UConn in. in um, so, I had in my Final Four, I had Alabama. So, my original bracket had Alabama, Marquette, 
UConn and Houston. Mm-hmm. So Alabama, UConn, and Houston. I'm all, I'm keeping that. Alabama's looked the part. Houston has toyed with teams a little too much, but I can see it. I think, but I could also see the winner of Xavier, Texas beating Houston. But like, but like Houston to me, like they have a they have another gear from like a defensive and offensive end that's so good. Like yeah. I really respect that Houston team. Like again, they showed up a little bit like shaky in their first two games and yet in the and yet made them laughers by the end of both of them. Um so they just have another gear. Uh I really do believe that UConn has a has their worst matchup of the tournament with Arkansas, but provided they get past it, like Gonzaga is a poor man's UConn. Like they're like UConn's better than Gonzaga, straight up. And then I don't know, I forget who you who Gonzaga's playing, but I'm not no UCLA is too injured. They can't keep up with UConn. So like, so like I got UConn going there. Um, yeah, Creighton will, I think Creighton does get past Princeton uh, because McDermott's a good coach, but, but Bama's too good. So I have Bama going to the final four and then uh, what the hell is going on in that other bracket? Purdue was like, who, who, who's even there anymore? I don't even it's- know. Tennessee versus Tennessee is oh, yeah, facing right. FAU. Kansas State is playing Michigan State. Kansas State. That's where that's basically my for I'm switch. I switched Gonzaga and UConn. Um, I started off. I had Arizona. LOL. Um, and then I had I had Kansas State, and I was like back and forth between Kansas State and Duke. But in most brackets, I chose Kansas State to move to the Final Four. I've been on Houston all year. I've said it on the pod. I will be on Houston. I will be financially ruined if Houston loses. It's, I'm just going down with the ship at this stage. Um, and then I'm taking Gonzaga. So I'm still staying basically the same, but I'm going Bama now from the top, um, from the South regional. Um, as much as I want to pick Creighton, I I mean, Bama just looks like a wet. I, I, think, I think Creighton could do it, honestly, but um, I'll go Bama and I would love to be proven wrong. But So I'll say Bama, Kansas State, Houston, Gonzaga. Rob. But also, it feels like this feels like a sneaky Izzo just shows up and is in the final four now. When I'm picking just just final four, just final four, yeah. Okay, um, Bama. I'm gonna Bama, Michigan State, because fuck Tom Izzo, uh, Gonzaga, or no, sorry, Arkansas, and uh, and Houston. Okay. All right. So you, so Rob's like Rob's like selling hard on the Big East this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy any of it. <laughs> I think, I think Creighton's going to get a win, and I think that is it. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you picked Arkansas, so yeah, yeah. Well, I could have had, I could have had Texas, I could have had Xavier winning, but, uh, but Houston beating them, but I don't. I have Texas beating them. Texas looked really good. Yeah, so I think we, I think we get one. So I'm saying I think we get one in the Elite Eight, and they don't make the Final well, Four. Texas looked really good, but then Penn State still had a chance to like yeah. tie it and close the door, and then they shot themselves in the foot. Like it was a. I think it's going to be with the Xavier Texas game. It's how quickly does Xavier get settled, and then because once you can get settled versus Texas, you'll be. I think you can figure it out, but it's a little bit of a shock at first. I agree. All right, I don't have anything else. 
I'm Gucci. So we're going to follow the women's team um, as they continue. We'll follow the other Big East teams, and we're going to obviously follow the news around our program uh, for the rest of the season. So we're still kind of working out our schedule, um, but we'll have this podcast up soon, and um, and then we'll kind of keep you posted kind of as things go. If Villanova continues to advance in the women's tournament, uh, look out for me. I might be able to put spaces together. Uh, but if it happens, it's going to be in short order. So just, just stay on the lookout as we go along. All right. Uh, that's all we got for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.